Hello, and welcome to the Self Project Podcast. I'm your host, Christy Martin, and I'm a life transformation and human design coach who supports others on their own personal growth journeys. This show is all about rediscovering and reinventing who we are, and we are going to talk about it all. From wellness, spirituality, self-empowerment, energy, self-realization, sobriety, mental health awareness, literally anything that can help us along on our own self-project journeys. So let's dive right in. All right, I want to welcome to the show Terry Vanover. Terry is a divorce strategist and she helps people come through divorce without being legally, financially, and emotionally devastated. She shows them how to heal from toxic relationships so they can transition confidently. And she's also an author and a speaker, and she is helping others move forward to have happy, healthy relationships in their next chapter. So I want to thank you so much today, Terry, for taking the time to be on the show and to share with us today. And do you mind just telling us a little bit more about yourself and what it is that you help others with doing? So, yeah, and thanks for having me, Christy. This is really an honor, you know enjoyed getting to know you and getting to know a lot of your guests on this podcast. So I'm really excited to be here and excited to share kind of my journey and what I do. So, um, and you'll probably notice if you haven't already, even though I live outside of Chicago, I'm originally from Virginia. So I grew up just a poor country girl from Virginia and my mom was divorced. And by the time maybe I was like four, And she didn't even have a high school education. So, you know, she had my sister and I, when we were really young, we grew up really poor. My biological father was an alcoholic. So what few interactions we had with him were not positive at all, you know, and um, what, what, you know, interactions I can remember when they were married was very negative and toxic. And so you know, adding to that, I was sexually abused when I was seven years old by a family member. So I grew up with a lot of feelings of just shame, a sense of abandonment, you know, a lot of like self-esteem issues, taunted in school, those types of things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I grew up, I feel like more a successful young woman, you know, but overall, I brought all that stuff inwardly into particularly my marriage. So this is where I kind of have to claim my responsibility as, you know, as a woman and for my own healing, because I was not a good wife. You know, all those issues that I had growing up, they just, you know, I projected onto my partner. I was needy. I was controlling. I was um, insecure. I looked to him to make me happy. And our marriage did not last very long. Um, I think my my oldest was five, six years old by the time we were separated. And in terms of my separation, my within a few short months, my mom had a stroke. I lost my mom. I was hit 
by a van riding my bicycle one day. And so I suffered like a whole bunch of health injuries and I was homeless. I lost all my financial credit because of what I did with the home that I didn't know what to do with. So it was just this snowball effect. So every mistake that you can make during divorce, I made, uh, you know, the fear, the, the being overwhelmed, paralyzed with not knowing what to do, which led me to like losing the home and, you know, all those mistakes that you can make, I made them. <laughs> and so I came through my divorce and I looked back and I was like, I don't even recognize that woman, Christy, I, you know, cause I consider myself a pretty smart, resourceful, but when you're going through so much at once, you really don't know how to navigate this. And it's a legal process. And, you know, most of us are civilians. We don't know the right questions to ask or what the process is. And so I had two failed mediations, two failed attorneys, two and a half years. I don't know how many tens of thousands wasted. And then, you know, when, when all was said and done, when all the dust was settled, we ended up right back in the very, very beginning, like to what we wanted in the very beginning. So, so I came through it and I said, you know, there has got to be a better way. And I learned a, how to navigate this process, you know, more effectively, but also how to heal yourself, you know, during this process, because, when you're going through this, all the emotions that, that you're going through impact the financial decisions you're making. And especially women in particular, I, I made the mistake that many women make with their homes. They, they hold on to their home too long or they don't know the financial kind of ramifications of their home. There's a sentimental value that particularly women have with their homes. And sometimes we have to work through that and even like grieve the loss of our homes or grieve the loss of our marriage. And so I came through this and I said, you know, I want to help other people get through this better, learn how to navigate this process more amicably, more effectively, look for opportunities that when you're, when you're in it, right, you can't see, you have your blinders on, you really don't know what's going on. Um, let go of the triggers because for a lot of us, our ex triggers us. And so it keeps us from thinking clearly and effectively. And the amazing thing is my ex and I, we're having Thanksgiving dinner tomorrow together. The four of us, he's remarried. His, his wife is my best friend, my husband and the four. I know it sounds, and listen, if you had told me during this, I'd be like, "Mm, yeah, whatever. Y'all hate each other. It's bad. Like, we have learned to like forgive each other, see each other. Like, I know he's a great father. He knows I'm a great mom. We always put our kids' best interests first. Whatever's good for him is good for my kids. Whatever's good for him. Like, we wish nothing but the best. And if you told me I'd be having like a Demi, you know, more Bruce Willis kind of like, you know, spend all our holidays together, I would have thought you were crazy. But it is possible to co-parent like this. And I believe it's more possible than, than most people think it is. You know what I mean? I think if we look for opportunities to negotiate, we look for opportunities and we keep our higher selves in the forefront, we could get through divorce a lot better. And you know, to be honest with you, Christy, I was actually ashamed and I would hide 
that I was friends with my ex for a long time, believe it or not. It's only kind of recently I've kind of been more open about that because it's so unusual. And yet I think it is so more attainable than we think it is. You don't have to be best friends, but you definitely can co-parent and be respectful and have a really good relationship moving forward with your ex-husband or your ex-wife. You know, I do think it's more possible in more situations than we currently see. And if we have more role models that can say, look, I really, really, really messed up my divorce and I owned it. And I told him that, and, you know, he was doing things out of fear too. Um, and, you know, he really is supportive of all this. He's, he's grateful that, you know, I'm helping others avoid the mistakes that, that we did. So it, it really is more possible than most people think. I think that it's really beautiful that you, that you guys are having Thanksgiving tomorrow, that like you said, <laughs> You're you're being a role model though, because yeah. honestly, who does it hurt in the end? Who is this the best for? It's for your kids. Um, you guys working it out and having a healthy relationship that doesn't look the same like it did before. It's it's a different type of relationship now. Like you said, you're able to co-parent with um out all that crap that I'm sure that just comes in. And I'm sure you might have worked through some crap at first. And it wasn't, you know, it's a process and a journey to get to where you are today. But I think that that's very admirable. You're absolutely right, Christy, in the beginning. It wasn't, it didn't like, oh, the divorce, here's the papers. And then we're like, oh, magically, you know, rainbows and unicorns. And no, it was like a slow process, but um, it's possible. And if you can keep, and I think the other thing too, is like, keep trying. You know, I think at first my ex-husband was more hesitant than say I was. And I think it was because during my divorce, I did my personal growth journey. And this is where I started healing myself from my childhood traumas. And so for me, I think I started that journey sooner than he did. But I think because I was showing up differently in our relationship, he was willing to be open, if that makes sense. Maybe you know, you understand what I'm saying. Like, mm -hmm. I really think that people have the mistaken belief that they think if others change, they'll change. But I really believe if you show up differently in the relationship, then others respond to that, you know, newer version of you or a less reactive version of you. So I, you know, I really believe that, you know, one parent can make the initiative and, and keep trying, keep trying. I also believe that there's, there's no such, you know, it may not happen at first, but eventually people come around and it's better late than never. Absolutely. I want to kind of go back to the beginning when you first started sharing your story and you shared that you were, that you realized later on that, you know, part of it was you, you came into the relationship, your first marriage, young, immature. Um, think about like, we're not really, we have our parents to model for us. Like in my case, my parents never divorced, but um, we have our parents to model for us and we're watching them. But I know in my case, did you know, did your parents ever really sit down and talk to you about relationships and what they look like and how you should be treated? Because um, I know in my case, that wasn't necessarily a conversation that we ever had. It was just me always kind of observing what was happening around me. 
So when I came into my marriage too, I was much the same way. I can remember a very specific argument that we had where we were driving somewhere. I don't even know where we were going. And I mentioned something to him. This was a long time ago about Paris Hilton. And do you think she's hot? And he's all, well, I think her sister's hotter. And I was so upset, like legit, (laughs) so upset over like the stupidest comment, you know? Because I was so insecure with myself. Yeah. Now today I can do the same. I'm like, like, you know, <laughs> telling him, look at, look at this person. Don't you think that they're like great looking? He's like, um, I'm like, no, it's fine. But like the security levels, and that's kind of a superficial example, but um, even being able to like admire, you know, somebody like, you know, have you, you should connect because he has his own podcast as well. So I'm like, you should really connect with this, this woman and talk with her. Um, He's in the educational settings. I'm like, you should connect with this woman and talk with her. She would be great on your show. And, you know, so it's this transition. Whereas before I would have been even jealous that he was communicating with another woman at all. I think that as ourselves, um, you know, we grow and we mature and we learn. And like in our case, um, we've had an up and down <laughs> relationship. So mm-hmm. we've, we've worked through those things as we, as we've gone, but I think that it's important. Like you said, that when you, when you first came in, maybe we don't even really know what to do. We're feeling insecure. We're young. We're <laughs> just, we've been watching. And, and we're blaming him, right? Because what he yes. said, yes. rather than looking inward and going, why am I reacting this? Like, what, what is it about this that is triggering to me? What, what's going on here? And that's always when you learn how to do that, it it really empowers you into, into healing yourself or taking ownership for yourself. And I, and I love that. I love that when like, like us as women too, I agree. I was just like you, it was bad. It was even to like food. Like if you don't like the same food, that would be, oh, well, we have differences. Like instead of appreciating those differences, I saw it as like an insecurity. And, but so now, like when you have the tools and you know how to go inward and you know how to reflect and you know how to like, what is this really about? It's really about me not feeling good about myself and what can I do about it? It, 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 t- it takes you from being a victim to being very empowered. You're very empowered in your choices and 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 how you how you react or don't react, and that's a big part of like what I do with my clients who are going through divorce. Oftentimes, they had these triggers like the insecurities mm-hmm. that they're going through in their marriage, and that stuff doesn't just change because you're getting divorced. And that's a myth. People think. That when you get a divorce, that the marriage is over. That is the not the biggest myth because your relationship isn't over. It's just changed, and often for the worse. You know, like you still have, if you have kids, you still have to communicate with this person. So if you didn't have good communication skills during the marriage, during divorce, it's usually worse. So a big part of what I do is empowering people to like go within, look within yourself. What is your trigger? you know, what, what's the root of this? How did you get insecure about this issue and how to resolve it and how to heal that? And again, it's, it's really what I always open every like workshop and speech and everything that I do with the first thing being accepting responsibility for yourself. 
That's the number one thing that you can do to change your life is just accept responsibility. It's not about blame. I'm not saying I'm blame. I'm not blaming anyone or blaming you or anything like that. But when we can accept responsibility for our feelings and our emotions, it empowers us to make changes, to do something differently. And and you're exactly right about the insecurity thing. If you're noticing you're insecure, then there's something within you. And if you can look within you and heal that, it, it just makes you so much stronger and you're not so needy and you feel you feel better about yourself. It, it is really amazing. So a big part of my mission is like you're saying, is like those issues that you had in your marriage, they're still gonna persist because that's the big that's another big myth that people have is divorce. It's like, oh it'll go away. It's my partner. It's, you know, I just married the wrong person. But statistically speaking, people with children that get remarried end up divorcing at 70% rate. And so I I know you had a guest on here recently, the stepmom that was talking about how difficult it is. I'm a stepmom too. And I'm like, holy moly, hit me with that van again. I'd rather be hit by a van than go through uh, being going you know the first two years of becoming a stepmom that was like I'd rather do that again have two surgeries again because it's so much it is so difficult and no one no one gives you the tools or the the um or tells you how difficult it is so oftentimes people think oh I just married the wrong partner or blah 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 but you have to figure out and you have to do an autopsy, I call it doing an autopsy of the marriage and figure out like what went wrong, where, where was, wasn't I present enough in the marriage? Where was I over controlling in the marriage? Where didn't I speak up when I should have? Like, it's all about like changing so that you don't repeat the patterns. Cause statistically speaking, we end up making the same mistakes again. So it can't be, you know, the partners because there's something to that 70% statistic. But, you know, I think what, you know, when you have your same patterns, if you haven't addressed those, and then you add on the additional stressors of a blended family, stepkids, high conflict ex, all these other stressors. I mean, it's, yeah, it's no, to me, it's no wonder that the, the remarriage rate is so high you know the divorce rate is so high I think it's when I try to oh my gosh there we go why is my mic having issues okay I think that it's really important that you um that you touched on so like you said you have that marriage ends and you think oh things are gonna get better like it's gonna be better this that it's kind of like when you move to a new city you're like this city and you think it's going to be better. I'm going to move to this new city, but you're really taking all your crap with you because you haven't dealt with it. And things are better for a while because you're in a new place and it's new and whatever, but your crap's going to catch up with you no matter mm-hmm. what you do. So I feel like this is kind of the same. Like you leave that relationship. And if you don't address, like you said, those things where you're looking at, you know, where was, where's my part in this? Where, where do I have control over this situation? Because I can blame him. I can do that. I can try to control. I can do all of that. But we all know at the end of the day that we can't control all the external factors and the situation, but we can reflect and like, okay, what can I, what can I work on with me? Um, you do have 100% control over that. What can you work on? Yeah. In there? 
Because then I think that healing is important because like you said, then you're going on to that next relationship. And if you don't heal that stuff and you don't dig through that, you're carrying it into the next one and repeating patterns, like you said. So I think that that, that makes a lot of sense that, you know, if you don't heal that and you don't work on that, that, you know, your second divorce rate, like what's, what's changed that's going to make this outcome um, different, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. So I think that it's important that you bring that up, that that healing and that self-reflecting is so important. It's, it's the thing. And I, I mean, so that's the mistake, Chrissy, you just said, like, that's the mistake that people say this, the, the, the change, you know, in that dynamic is the partner. But, but you're still going to bring your baggage and chances are your partner is probably going to be similar to your other partner. Mm-hmm. And for a lot of people, unfortunately, they come to me after their second or third divorce when they kind of <laughs> like, oh, maybe it is something about me. <laughs> yeah, you're like, yeah, I hear you. I get it. I mean, I've been there, so I understand. But um, I am on a mission to like really stop that second marriage divorce rate because it is it is really devastating for for children to experience the the shifting of I'm not I'm I'm not anti-divorce at all because I think in some cases divorce can be a healthy alternative to staying in a toxic relationship but having children not having stable structured families, you know, or going through divorces multiple times. It is, it is very difficult. You know, we want to provide that stability and we want to model for our kids what a healthy, happy relationship looks like and feels like and sounds like even. What does that communication look like? 100%. Which again is why I love that you talk about how you have that healthy co-parenting relationship now because you're modeling that for your kids. You're showing them a relationship doesn't have to look nuclear. Like we think mom, dad, and they got to be married forever. And you're showing them families can be beautiful and look any way. And we can like, we can be amicable and, and cooperate no matter what. So I think that you're showing them a really beautiful example of the different ways that relationships could look, because sometimes I think we get it stuck in our heads too, as young children, that relationships can only look one way and we need to be with that person forever. And everything needs to be happy and work out and butterflies and rainbows and puppies and picket fences. And, you know, <laughs> so. Yeah. Or can I share um, an instance with um, my children's stepmom and I, mm-hmm. so we, um, again, so it's funny because in front of the children, we are a united front. And so again, it just makes it wonderful because they have four parents that love them, support them, show up to every parent conference, all that great stuff. It, it, and, my, and my oldest is now 13. She just turned 13. And we had a little bit of a hiccup this summer with my son, who is my middle child. He's our middle guy. and He's 11 and he was going into like a challenge program or something, but he was struggling to, to attend to what this challenge program required over the summer. And so there was some back and forth between the parents on what to do, how do we address it, you know, blah, blah, blah. Again, we don't, here's the thing too, we don't always agree, but we support each other, you know, and we always try to come to a consensus of what's best 
And it was, it was funny because Dee was over the kid's stepmom and we were talking about the situation and we were not arguing or yelling or fighting, but I would say it was a passionate, you know, it was a passionate discussion. You know, should we do this? Should we not? You know, how, how, how long do we let him struggle? What do we do? Cause again, it's all about the kids and what's best for them. And I think that's the other thing that people forget. Sometimes I know that Dee and Ben love my kids and are always putting them first. They might think how that looks might be different than how maybe I think that should look. We just have to come to a consensus on how that will work for the kids. But I know that they always have my kids' best interest at the, at the forefront at every decision that they're making. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And so I think that's where parents forget, you know, that their partner probably has their child's best interest at their heart. They may think that they may have a different way of going about it. They may think it looks different. You know, for example, she thought, okay, this is too much pressure. Let's not do it. I'm thinking, well, let's give them a chance. Let's, let's not, you know, so we, we both had our child's best interest. We just didn't know what was the best way to navigate it. And, and so anyway, we did come to an agreement. We worked through it. Everything worked out fine. But a day or two later, my oldest daughter comes down and, and she says, Mom, I didn't know that you guys fight. And I was like, fight? I didn't even know what she was talking about. I was like, what do you mean? And she goes, you know, about, you know, Dex. And I was like, oh, she thought that we agree on every single thing. She didn't know that like behind the scenes, because she had overheard us upstairs. She didn't know that over behind the scenes, there's always discussion and there's always like, okay, you think that let's come to an agreement. But I, I thought this was really healthy because I think it's good for her to know that although we may not, we don't always agree, we're always a united front and that we're always going to be thinking of them and, and, and loving them and putting them first and that we're going to come together no matter what. So I, I just thought that was really interesting that, that she thought like all four of us all the time just were like on the same page. So I thought that was good for a lot of reasons because I'm like, ooh, it's good that she knows that we're supporting it, that we're all together. And I also think it's good that she sees people who love each other disagree, but come to terms in a healthy, loving way too. That's what I was thinking is that um, she saw, because every, let's get real, every relationship's not perfect. You're going to, no matter how you know well you get along and things like that, you're going to come to a point where you run into some conflict, whether it's differing viewpoints, beliefs, just something that happened, different perspectives. Like we're each coming from our own, you know, individual perspective and we're each I think it's naturally um, that we're each kind of concerned with ourselves too, like almost kind of an, an ego thing. Like we, we love people and we're concerned with ourselves, but when it gets down to it, like everybody, you know what I mean? Has like their, yeah. so we're egocentric in a way. Um, so we see our perspective. So I think that it's really beautiful that you mentioned that she got to see some conf, some healthy conflict in that relationship to see that relationships aren't perfect. They do. So otherwise, yeah, she might go through thinking. And then when she has her first fight, she thinks, well, this isn't normal. I never saw the fighting happening with my parents. They always got along. They always agreed. Like, 
so what is this? So I think it's important. You showed her that example early on. So when she runs into that later on, she's going to be like, oh, I remember my mom and my mom did this and it's okay. We're not like, (laughs) we can come to an agreement. This isn't, you know, like the end of our relationship or something. Um, And I think too, when you're talking about remembering to put the kids first and remembering like your spouse or significant other, the other um, partners involved in the relationship that they do have your kids. They love your kids too. Um, So while it looks different, um, I think that it's important that you, you tapped on that reminder because, oh my God, what was I going to say with that? Yeah, I, I, you're absolutely right. I think I think that's the mistake that people make. And divorce brings out the worst in really good people. Mm-hmm. And so people want to make the worst assumptions about their ex. What if you were to make the best assumptions? What if you were to assume the best about them? Because we do that when we're dating. We do that. And actually, I'll say we sometimes forget to do that while we're married. Oh, but yeah. if you if you continue to do that when you're married, that's a good thing too. So, you know, assume that your partner is doing the best or wants the best, is doing the best they they can, and and instead of assuming the worst, because I that's I think where a lot of divorced couples fail. They they make the assumption of the worst of their their exes. That's one one big mistake, but there's many. Right. And I think too, as women, and I'm, you know, we can tend to bring some hurt feelings into it too. And even men, I'm sure can as well. Like, you know, especially when you're really starting out, just hurt feelings come into the mix too. And when we're emotional, we don't always make the best and rational decisions. And, you know, we can realize later on, you reflect on that again and progress. But, um, so that's why. I think that it's important and maybe we can lead into now talking about when you are going through these first steps of like a divorce strategy, you were telling me earlier, it's not just so cut and dry. There's, you are bringing those feelings and that emotion in. And you said also with the practical. So do you want to just kind of touch on that? Just give us a little bit of advice about that on just kind of bringing the two together. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Christy. It's hard for me to like, even when I'm you know, talking about what I do and how I help people. I want to help you navigate this system, the legal aspects, the financial aspects of it. But you notice it's legal, financial, and emotional. It's, we have to address all of those things because the emotional part of this impacts so much of the decisions that you're making legally and financially. Like you said, if you are stuck in that pain and bitterness and anger, you are not going to be making really good decisions. You're going to be wanting to punish your ex. And that is, and that's the number one mistake that people make going through divorce. They use a legal system to try to get emotional justice. I see it day in and day out. And I constantly have to remind everyone you are going to be sorely disappointed if you think you're going to get the emotional, the emotional justice from a legal system. They, they're just there. The courts are there simply to, you know, come up with equitable parenting time and, you know, division of property and assets. That's it. They're not there to punish your your ex for, you know, cheating on you with the mistress or that it's it's 
So people are very, very disappointed, you know, and I'm like, so you have to get the emotional closure for yourself. So that's a big part of what I do is helping people get the emotional closure and handle their triggers, right? Because your ex also does know your biggest insecurities and they'll use it, you know, in this process. And so it's, if you heal those triggers, you won't be so emotionally at their whim. I, I call it like if someone is triggering you, you're basically handing your control over to them. If they can control your emotions, they can control you. So so we work on you know healing those triggers, getting closure, overcoming betrayal trauma. I know that's devastating for a lot of people, and I I I get it. Forgiveness is a big part of this work, you know, and, and learning to to move on. So you know, if you can't let go of the emotions, you're not going to handle this process very strategically, legally, and financially. So, you know, I give my, I give my clients like practical strategies, like, okay, the first thing you do, if you consider divorce, you've got to get all your financial documents together, get your mortgage statements, get your copies of your tax returns, get everything that you can. So you have a good financial picture. And then also start working on, you know, going through the grieving process and start like accepting those feelings. And, you know, divorce grief is very different than traditional grief. There's actually seven stages of grief because there's there's a pain and fear. And, and what makes divorce particularly difficult than say, you know, the loss of a spouse is the fear of the unknowns, right? You don't know what, how much parenting time you might get with your kids. You don't know if, if you have to go back to work, if you've been a stay-at-home mom for 20 years. So the stressors of the unknown adds like an added layer of stress and fear and anxiety. Divorce is one of those things that I, unless you've been through it, it's really difficult to explain to someone like how impactful it is and how stressful it is because it's not just the stress of what you do know, like, you know, okay, I've lost my marriage. I'm probably selling my home. You know, my kids are going to be gone half the time. Like, you know that, but then that you've got all these unknowns, like, where am I going to live? You know, when, what days will I see my kids? It's, it's so stressful. And, and so it's so overwhelming. And oftentimes people come to me because they get stuck in the grieving process of that, like um, denial you know, I've had a, quite a few clients that come to me when they're just kind of paralyzed. They're just stuck, can't move forward. I'm scared. Is it that fear? You know, fear is powerful. Yeah, it is. I feel like you're what you're telling me is almost like it triggers a survival instinct because, you know, we have that base need of stability, security, you know, um, shelter, all of that stuff. And when you, yeah, talk about something like divorce, you are changing your whole life. You're shaking that foundation and that's scary. And that can trigger so many things. So that's kind of what I'm hearing is like, it's triggering these, you know, all of these things that you have to think about all of those fears of future and change. And like like you said, I've never experienced it, but I can, I can only imagine from my perspective, what that would look like. Exactly. And you can use it as an opportunity, right? And for me, you know, hitting rock bottom, sitting in, you know, some strange woman's basement, like I said, I was homeless with a cast on, 
you know, just like, what am I going to do? You know, it actually kind of forced me to face some of the issues, the abandonment issues and things that I had been putting off. And, you know, I call it consciously surrendering. And it's exactly what you're talking about. Divorce triggers us all those basic things. And especially if you've had trauma as a child, this is a really difficult time and you need all the support you can get to heal from it. And so, you know, I specialize in like healing from abandonment and shame and trauma. And so it's, you can look at it as like, okay, what's really going on? Like I had, I really struggled with loneliness, both during my marriage and the divorce. And it was my wake up call to look at myself and go, what's really going on? And for me, it was, I really had a lot of feelings of unworthiness and I wasn't lovable. And of course, the divorce just stirs all that stuff up. And I looked at it as, okay, this is an opportunity for me to work on this and to heal this finally. It it sucked. I'll be honest to like have to go through that. And I'll tell you, I forgave my alcoholic father and I forgave the sexual abuser way before I was able to forgive myself from doing that. You know, I was like, I really regretted for a long time, like hurting my ex-husband because he's a good man. And it was like, why couldn't I have like healed this sooner? You know, why, why, why did it take so much? But it's our journey. And for some of us, and again, and you, you know what it's like about, you know, you have to forgive yourself from the decisions you're making out of that trauma. Sometimes you're making it at the best ability that you can, but forgiving myself for that was really difficult, but it was really freeing. And I actually think that may have been when my relationship with my ex-husband even took an even more positive because I think letting that burden go and some of my clients, they don't like the word forgiveness because I know for some people, it's a loaded word. Unburdening. If you want to call it, I'm unburdening myself and releasing myself of this toxicity and shame that I'm carrying around. Um, by doing that, it just frees you up for love and, you know, being open and it is, I'm telling you, I, I know if we can get on the soapbox of forgiveness, I don't know how much of that you do in your work, but it is so empowering. It's, it's, I think it's the key to really living your life of freedom. I, I, you know, I, I think if you can let, let go, let go of like, it, you know, and you use the word crap, you know, <laughs> when, when, you know, the crap that we're carrying around in our relationships, let's say someone gave you that crap and, and you're carrying, or I call it a turd. It's, it's by not forgiving someone, it's, it's akin to carrying around a turd and, and wondering why you're dirty. It's, you have to let go and cleanse yourself of those negative, toxic emotions. It's not about the other person. And the other thing, I think there's a myth about forgiveness that people think it's about the other person. It's not about condoning what the other person did to you. I'm I'm not condoning it. We're not, you know, absolving them. And I'm not even advocating in some cases, you need to keep those healthy boundaries up. That's absolutely healthy. Mm But we can let go of the negative feelings that that we're carrying around associated with. Below anger is pain and shame and 
bitterness and resentment. And so if we can let all that go, you can let in love and light and you can just, and peace, you know, and then that person doesn't have power over you. That's what I, what I think is most significant about doing the forgiveness work. What people, what, when you see people who refuse to forgive someone, you can see how energetically engaged they are with that person. And by forgiving, it's, it's almost like you cut that energetic tie to them and then you're free and you, you release yourself from that person. It's not about them. It's about you opening your heart and, and letting go of like the bitterness and the poisoning that you're carrying around. I'm really glad that you brought that up, the topic of forgiveness and um, self-forgiveness. I mean, that could be, we could probably do a whole nother episode on that. <laughs> yes. yes. But, oh, I love talking about it though. But I mean, the, the resistance I get it from it, I'm always shocked, but you know, I'll never forgive. I'll never forgive. It's, it's, you know, it is like, you yeah. Say it's like you say, it's that perception of if I'm forgiving them. I think a lot of people, like you say, have that perception right away um, until they've had some time to think about it and have it explained to them in a different way. But yeah, that perception of, well, if I forgive, then it's like pretending, like it's saying that it's okay, or it's saying that it never happened or that I was okay with it. And it's not that at all. Like you said, the forgiveness is about you and about releasing yourself because so that that person doesn't have that hold over you anymore. And then they it's about your karma. Like then you don't have to worry about them. Yeah. Because if you are holding on to that bitterness, you're energetically engaged with that person all the time. I mean, come on girl. I know you've seen some, some divorce, bitter people and they're like, Oh, I'm over my ex. And you're like, oh, no, you're not. You know, I can tell you stories just from well before COVID and all that happened. Um, you know, my boys being in school and just seeing some of their friends and I was very active PTA mom involved in the school. So you kind of, um, you know, you would see some of the other parents coming to, um, school events together and just some of like the nastiness that would ensue there. Or, you know, I, you can even see that out around you, just like in your kids, like at sporting games, sporting events, you know, I could see, you you see those dynamics around you all the time. And I'm going to speak from experience here because I don't want to come from a place of judgment Mm. because think about that, how, what the message it sends to your child too. And Mm. if you think for one minute, your child doesn't pick up on that, you're dead wrong. So is it okay if I share like a personal experience Mm -hmm. Absolutely. about forgiveness and me and how like impactful it is with their children? And so I, I use this a lot, you know, when I speak with my clients and when, when I speak about this topic, um, when you, even if you think, oh, I never badmouth my ex in front of my children, blah, blah, blah. They sense it energetically. They get it. I'm telling you, if you're saying that with the moms at PTA, your child, they could 50 feet away. I just, they feel it. They sense it. They know that you're hanging on. And, you know, we had a family member who, betrayed us, um, did some nasty things. And I struggled with it. I struggled with the anger because it was very hurtful. It was very hurtful. (laughs) You know, what can I say? 
And, you know, I was very angry, you know, that this person had hurt me, hurt my husband and hurt my children. And, and this wasn't even an ex. So I know how toxic, you know, this can be betrayal trauma can be. And, um, I was, and, and one day I was, we were in the kitchen and my, my son like mentioned this family member's name and you could see my children kind of side eye me. <laughs> now, you know, I've never bad mouthed this person or anything, but they knew, they knew mama was not happy with this person. And that was the moment I was like, all right, I'm ready. I'm ready to forgive. I'm ready to let this go because not only is this keeping me emotionally engaged with this person, but it's keeping me distance from my children. And I, that hurt me more than anything because I never want my children to think they can't be themselves or be who they want or love who they want. Like, here's the truth. They love that person and that's okay. And I don't want them to think that there's any kind of energetic block or wall between me and them or that person and them. So I chose to forgive. I did all the, it's like specific forgiveness work. I'm not saying it's easy either. You know, this Christy, Mm -hmm. this is not easy. We're not saying it's easy and it is a process, but once you make that conscious choice, you start with compassion, self-compassion, compassion for the other person. And then I give my clients like a template that we work through on the forgiveness. And it is, it's just amazing. So I speak from experience. <laughs> and, you know, if you think, you know, if you're a PTA mom and you think that, you know, you think your kids don't know, they do know. And let it go for you so that you can be happy and you can be at peace. You can have that space in your heart for love. It just gives you more more room to love. So, do you want to tell us how you've um, shared with us? I think it's incredible the way that you are working with others because you're not just looking at one piece of it. Like you said, you're not just looking at like the legal or the financial. You're bringing it all together and you're touching on the emotional, which I feel like is such an important part too. Um, So tell us, how are you working with others? What do you have available for um, people if they want to work with you? So I I definitely have my, I have a a men's support group and then I have a separate uh, women's Facebook support group and on meetup. We we tend to do our workshops. You know, when when we were meeting before COVID, we had the live (laughs) in-person workshops, Um, but we have a a support group and then I work, you know, one-on-one in my programs and the intensity really just depends on where you are. And I would say, Christy, earlier is better so that we can set a foundation for, you know, and it saves you money with your attorney. If you know what to get ready, if you know the right resources, if you're well-educated, I kind of look at what I do as like a holistic kind of navigator of the process. Like I'm not an attorney, I'm not a financial advisor, but I definitely can help you navigate how to talk with your attorney if you decide to do that. Here's another thing. 70% of divorces probably wouldn't need to be a traditional litigated divorce, which is what is so expensive. There's so many options out there that people don't know. So again, the earlier people come to me, we can talk about the options. What's a, what's a good financial option for you? What is a, um, you know, you know, what do you need to thinking about as far as your taxes and financial impact? And then again, making sure that the emotional side of this that doesn't impact the decisions you're making. You know, the best example is, is 
I've had several clients who were women who were particularly attached to their home. And that is one of the biggest assets in a divorce. And sometimes it can really letting go of that if needed or looking at it with a clear vision of can I afford this or can I not? Or, you know, just about being rational about it. So this is where that emotional component comes in of, of, making sure that you're making decisions from a rational mind versus an emotional mind. Um, so yeah, the programs that I have, and we have a workshop coming up on December 12th, where we're going to talk about how to survive the holidays, you know, going through divorce and a pandemic. I mean, good Lord, like right now it is just, it's overwhelming. It was bad enough when I went through this and I have clients who are quarantined with their ex. <laughs> Oh my God, he can't even escape. So talk about needing that emotional support and letting go of those triggers, right? So, but but it is possible. You can definitely, you can do it. You know, it is possible. And um, it, it's just, you know, coming through. So we're going to do the workshop on December 12th, where we're going to talk about like how to survive the pandemic and a divorce going through the holidays I have one-on-one -on -one programs where, you know, help you navigate this process legally, financially, but just as importantly, emotionally, um, so that you're making the best decisions that are going to save you time, money, and heartache, because that, that's the best, that's the worst thing is when you look back. I My goal is for you to look back at your divorce and say, oh my gosh, I made the best decisions that I could under the worst circumstances. I love that. Do you want to tell everybody where we can connect with you online, your website and um, your social media accounts that you have, we can follow. Yes, ma'am. So you can find me on choosing to It's easy. Cause I got that Southern accent. So choosing to rise, everyone mocks me when I say that it's fine. <laughs> choosing to rise.com. And um, let's see, I have a Facebook group for men, Rise Above Divorce for men and Rise Above Divorce for women. You can just, you know, Google that or, you know, search that on Facebook and I'll meet up to, we actually, I think right now you can find Google that on Meetup as well, because I think you can, you don't have to be local anymore because all the events are, are virtual. So very cool. Awesome. Well, do you have anything else that maybe we didn't touch on that you wanted to talk about or anything that you wanted to close out with? Um, did you want to talk about um, toxic relationships or signs you're in a toxic relationship? Because I think for many people, the guilt of leaving a divorce, is it's a struggle. It's a struggle for people like, should I leave this marriage? And I am a believer of if you're considering divorce, Work on yourself first so that you know that you're seeing the marriage for what it is versus your filters. Like for me, I like you know, I told you I regret not getting the help sooner, not not doing the work sooner and healing my traumas because I was married to a good guy. But unfortunately, my own trauma refused to let me see the marriage for what it was. You know, I just was needy and he wasn't giving me what I needed. And but, now I've learned I can give myself all those things that I need. I can feel secure on my own. I love myself. You know, I don't have to depend on someone else to love me. So I believe in, in getting the help. So if someone is struggling in a relationship, you know, work, work on yourself, do the inner work. 
so that you can see things. And I call it a filter. So many of us, we walk around with a filter of how we view other people and we view the relationship. And like I said, when I was in my marriage, I had the filter of like, he doesn't love me enough. He's not giving me enough. But the truth was, was anything ever going to be enough? Because I was like an unending pit, could not never have enough love. So I do believe that um, work on yourself and make sure that the, that if you are thinking or contemplating about divorce, that that you do it from a from a place of wholeness and wellness and say, okay, this relationship is not meeting my needs or this, this person does have toxic, unhealthy traits that aren't good for me. And I, I'm, I feel resolved and, you know, complete that, that I should walk away from this and we should, we are better apart. But the number one sign, I think that you're in a relationship where you feel like, you know, this, this is not working. It's unhealthy would be like, if you feel the need to, to record your, I'm not saying to record it, like, don't do that. Cause that may not be legal in your state, but I'm saying, if you are constantly saying, I just, I feel like, you know, everything I say is being twisted or manipulated, or I don't, I know we had this. So if you're constantly second guessing yourself and you were like, I wish I had a recording of, of this so I could, prove what was said, that is a big kind of red flag that something's off in the relationship and that something needs to be looked at. It's kind of an easy, easy, if your inner voice is saying constantly second guessing yourself and like, oh, I wish I had a recording of this because, you know, she's saying this and I'm saying this and I was in a friendship that you're saying that and I'm feeling like I was in a friendship that was a lot like that, that, you know, I would say I was constantly second guessing myself. So wow. I think it's, yeah. Yes. And it doesn't have to be our intimate partners. Yeah. yeah. That, that friendship was probably had some, you know, yeah. definitely, I think we struggle with that and parental, parental relationships or family relationships also, um, you know, may not be healthy and we can put some boundaries up there. But I definitely think that our parental relationships impact our intimate relationships and people often don't see the connection. So if you're a woman, you really need to look at your father relationship. And I always say like, how is that showing up in your intimate relationship with your partner? And if you're a man, I guarantee you there's there's a reflection in how your mom was and your partner. And, when I, and whenever I point that out to people, they're like, oh, my gosh, like, yeah, you're just repeating that pattern. I, I think that's powerful because sometimes it takes somebody outside of ourselves to point something out. Like you said before, it's just like that realization moment of like, you're right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. I married that controlling wife and my mom was like super controlling and. That's kind of a big one that I see a lot of, or my mom, my mom was not emotionally connected. And I married a woman who's not emotionally connected. The same. Yeah. It's yeah. like, we know it, but it's like almost somebody bringing it to light. Cause you've heard it, you know, we've heard that before. Oh, you're, you're going to marry your dad. You're going to marry your mom. You know, you've heard little phrases like that before. And you're like, what's that even mean? And yeah, yeah, but somebody just pointing it out to you saying, Hey, take a look at it. And you're, cause I was just thinking about that right now too. And (laughs) I was thinking like, yeah, 
I can see the different ways in which my husband, you know, we mirror the relationship like that I have with my dad or same, like with his mom, the characteristics I have that might be similar to his mom's or so. And sometimes in my work with people, them doing the forgiveness work on their parent has been beneficial to releasing that energetic tie with their ex. You know, they start to work on the forgiveness. They start to, to show up differently with their ex and it's really powerful. I meant to say that that is, yeah, that forgiveness work. It's like the key. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. The middle. This was so great. I, I can't thank you enough, Terry, for being on and sharing with us today. I feel like you have given us, I've got pages of notes. So I feel like you've given us so much to take away from this episode. So I just have to thank you for, again, giving your time to be here and share with us today. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I'm looking forward to sharing this with my audience as well. I can't wait. Thank you so much for joining me today for the Self Project Podcast. I hope that you were able to find something useful or inspirational to take away with you today. So come and connect with me over on Instagram. It's at underscore Christy Martin. And let me know what you want to hear more of. Go ahead and subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. And I will see you next time.